0: You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nickeruk, episode 3. Hello, teacher brains. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you have had to search out these episodes, please consider subscribing to this podcast so that every new episode will come to you rather than you having to go to it. I also wanted to thank thank you very much for leaving me a review It sure was exciting to log on and see three five star ratings and two very kind reviews. You can bet I celebrated that one. And I'm so grateful to you all, so thank you. In this episode, we're going to talk about squashing ants. Let me explain. In episode two, we talked about how our thoughts create our feelings, which drive our actions to get our results in both episodes one and two we learn that our brains keep us safe and they do so by automating as much as possible to save energy which is a good thing because it allows us to focus on what we need to focus on like lesson planning conducting head counts on a field trip and driving on the highway (laughs) we also talked about how 80 to 90 percent of our daily actions and decisions are run by our subconscious thoughts and last week i invited you to take to keep track of your three most common feelings throughout the day and to identify the thoughts that cause those feelings. I hope you did this. And if you did, you did it without judgment, just noticing. If not, you can go back to episode two, listen to that and then take the challenge. Even though amongst my friends and colleagues, I'm often viewed as the positive one. I always try to have an optimistic mindset When I tracked my feelings and thoughts, even for a couple days, I was surprised to discover that many of my own thoughts were in fact negative. Things like overwhelm, like, oh, there's not enough time in the day. I'm so stressed. I have so much to do. Um, To discouragement. That's too expensive. This is really hard. And then doubt. I don't know if I have what it takes. Why would anyone listen to me? So what did you notice? Are your feelings predominantly positive or negative? Again, no judgment, just noticing. If you notice that they're mostly negative, commonly showing up as feeling stressed, overwhelmed, tired, busy, exhausted, frustrated, maybe with a peppering of amused, excited, and dare I even suggest joy, goodness, I hope you're finding joy in your week somewhere, But it's completely normal that your automatic thoughts are negative. In fact, it's a good indication that your brain is functioning as it should, and here's why. I just finished reading a book called Mind to Matter by Dawson Church. Dr. Church is a world-renowned author and founder of the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare. He is published in many a scientific journal and literally wrote the book on EFT, emotional freedom technique, or tapping. In this book, Mind to Matter, he explains the origin of negative thoughts and their evolutionary value through a story of fictional young sisters, Hug and Gug, who lived 100,000 years ago. Hug was an optimist. She was happy-go-lucky. People enjoyed being around her, and she saw the best in everybody. Gug, on the other hand, was pessimistic, paranoid, and always pointing out the dark lining on the silver cloud. No one was willing to spend time with Gug except her ever positive sister, Hug. One day, while they're out gathering berries, they're ambushed by a tiger. Gug, who is always on the lookout for threats, spots the tiger before her sister. She screams and starts running, just a split second before Hug. Hug sees the tiger and runs too, but because she's a hare behind her sister, she gets eaten. As a result, Hug never makes it to puberty, while Gug reproduces, passing on her finely tuned threat-detecting genes onto the next generation. Multiply that by a thousand generations, and here we are. No longer are we in threat of being eaten by a tiger, but our modern day threats, things like facing a mountain of marking, driving to the cottage on a long weekend, writing report cards and hours of lesson planning in front of us, leave us feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. Remember that our brains are designed to keep us safe, to seek connection with the group and avoid rejection. To that end, our brains are always on the lookout for clues as to what to believe in order to maintain our safety. We therefore developed our beliefs through observation of others when we were very young. And when you think about the fact that these trace back to our ancestors, It's easy to understand why these negative thoughts can be so hard to get rid of. From birth to about seven years old, we learned by listening to and watching the grown-ups close to us. The observations we make of their repeated actions and words internalize in us as beliefs. In fact, this is exactly what beliefs are. Thoughts combined with actions repeated over and over in our minds. Once these beliefs are established, they run on autopilot in our subconscious and form our identity. Many of these beliefs we have had so long that we never question them or where they came from. We just kind of go along acting in alignment with them because remember our thoughts create our feelings and the two combined make our beliefs which shape our identity, which drive our actions. And as a result, our realities reflect these belief-driven actions. Everything you have, think, and do now is a result of the beliefs that run in your subconscious. So where do these ants come in, you ask? Well, ant stands for automatic negative thought. It's a term coined by Dr. Daniel Amen, and you can Google him if you want to learn more. His work is pretty fascinating. Ants are those thoughts that pop up in your brain when you try or even think of trying of doing something even remotely out of your comfort zone. So let's try it now. For example, what would pop into your head if someone said, you should take a trip to Hawaii this year? Or have you ever thought of starting a podcast? Or even there's a staff meeting tomorrow I'm willing to believe that some form of automatic negative thought flashed through your mind or at least a grunt or an eye roll. And the good news is, as I said in episode two, that you are the creator of your thoughts. You, you did this unknowingly back when you were very young. That was not really your fault. Back then you were basically a walking subconscious, just absorbing everything as truth. But now that you know this to be true, you have complete control over your thoughts and therefore feelings, actions, and results. In episode one, I share that we have learned more about the brain in the past 10 years than we've learned in the previous 1,000 years combined. And it was previously thought that our brain function was essentially fixed. However, new discoveries in neuroplasticity reveal that we can continue to to create new neural pathways in our brain and generate brain cells until the day we die. So beliefs can be built much like muscle. If you work them out every day, in just 67 days, you can prune. That's a neural neuroscience term. You can prune those old beliefs, squash those ants, and build new neural pathways, new healthier beliefs. And I know it, I might sound like a broken record about this, but A, it's the foundation of everything here, and B, Research shows that it takes between 55 to 70 times of hearing something new before it truly sinks in. So knowing that our thoughts create our feelings, which drive our actions to get our results. Once you establish a new belief and start living as someone who embodies it, then your day-to-day reality will begin to match your belief system. Okay, Sarah, you say, how do I begin to believe something I don't believe now? How do I squash those ants? Well, at first it does feel a bit forced, fake, and foolish because your thoughts are competing with an established belief, especially the deep-rooted ones. But the great news is, and I can attest to this since I've been working on some of my own ants over the past few months, that over time, and just like when you work out, it gets easier and begins to feel truer as you practice. And the even better news is that you're already on your way because last week when we started noticing our feelings and thoughts, that's step one. We got to notice the ants when they come marching in. Now, sometimes it's tricky because our thoughts, your thoughts can sometimes slip by you and chances are they're already doing this and they've been doing it for some time, which is why they're still rotating in that automatic circuit. So in that case, you might find it easier to notice your feelings or even behaviors and then work backwards towards your thoughts. So Catherine Zanchina, who is a master manifester and expert on the universal laws, outlines this process that I find super helpful. And it also is backed up by my neuro coach, Dr. Shannon Irvin, and the earlier mentioned Dr. Daniel Amen, both neuropsychologists and neuroscientists. Um, So first you want to identify the ant, the automatic negative thought. And as I said, sometimes it's easier to first identify the limiting behavior and work backwards. So is it procrastination, hesitation, inaction, some sort of reaction like yelling, crying, drinking? Um, And then from there, you can isolate the underlying belief. So first identify the limiting behavior. Step two, Isolate the underlying belief. What was the what were the thoughts that you had combined with feelings that played over and over? So if my behavior is procrastination or in teacher lingo, sometimes we refer to it as task avoidance What would I have to believe to be true in order to be repeating the same behavior? If I'm acting this way What must I believe about this? Then step three is try to find the source. So where did it come from? Go back in time in your mind. Did you see something as a child? Did someone tell you something? Did you experience something and make assumptions about how the world works? What's the source? And it's not super crucial that you identify the exact specific root c- cause um, or a source. Like if you can't remember, or it's just not coming to you, well, you can sit on it for a while. Ask your brain and move on to something or meditate on it. Your brain will continue to consider the question you ask it and will likely give you something later. But if it doesn't, like don't dwell on it too long. Just move on to step four. And step four is um, trying to figure out what the benefits have been to you for holding on to this belief. So it has been serving you in some way. Otherwise, you'd have let go of it by now. So how? And it could be something small. How is it serving you? So for example, if it's procrastination, your belief is that, you know, you work better under pressure, or you're better at the last minute, or you have tons of time, um, then how has that been benefiting you? And maybe it's the fact that if you believe you work better under pressure then you leave things until the night before so then the whole rest of the week that you could have been been spending I don't know writing report cards for example you have free time to do other things so that would be a benefit and then on the flip side what are the consequences of what have the consequences been to holding on to that belief so what have you missed out on So, for example, again, if it's procrastination, leaving your report card writing to the last minute the night before, then maybe the consequence is you end up spending an all-nighter writing report cards, and then you're tired, grumpy, and brain foggy the next day or week, uh, and you didn't pay close enough attention to the grammar or the formatting of the repercut comments so your admin sends the back to you etc etc so what are the benefits and what are the consequences and then you want to look at is there any ultimate truth to this belief or is it simply a story you've been telling yourself and then try to refute it with as much um, evidence as possible so how can you dispel this belief And To help do that you can look at what would the universe God whatever you believe in tell you about this belief. What would their message be if they could come down and say um, Hey, Sarah (laughs) What would they tell you leaving things to the last minute is fill in the blank? What is the actual truth about this belief? So leaving things to the last minute causes me to make errors Um, I use I switch pronouns I put the wrong name in, um, it makes me tired, it makes me grumpy with my family, what would the truth of this belief be? So find all the evidence you can to refute it. And then the last thing is you want to replace it. So choose a new thought to replace your old one, one that serves you better. Start acting, and at first it will feel like acting, as if you believe it. Ask yourself, what would a person who believes this do in this situation? And each situation throughout the day, even you could go that far. So, for example, what would a person who does not procrastinate, who believes it's important to do things when you get them or prioritize, what would they do? So maybe they would put things in their calendar. Maybe they would write two learning skills a day, starting two weeks before records are due. Maybe they would break it down into more manageable pieces. So you can start putting those thoughts in. Uh, Maybe they would embrace writing report cards, not see it as a chore or a a nuisance. So you can start building that in. Now, how we build them in, um, you can, there are a few tips and tricks. You can make them into affirmations, right? So you want your subconscious to believe your new thoughts so you can so writing things down is a great trick so you can write the replacement thoughts down you can stand in a Wonder Woman or Superman pose and repeat them out loud you can tap about them try the EFT you can Google EFT or tapping for some guided sessions you can meditate on them you can listen to recorded affirmations in your own voice all kinds of tricks and I do this now Um, write down the new beliefs that you want record them in your voice on your phone on like voice memo or whatever it is easy and then you play them to yourself Uh, the best time is like first thing in the morning and right before you go to sleep your mind when you're kind of in that drowsy state is more impressionable and so those are good times to play those affirmations and as I said at first it may feel a bit forced but after a couple weeks you'll start to feel a shift and people say it takes 21 days to build a habit and that's partly true you when in 21 days your old habit and your new habit or your new your old belief and your new belief your old neural pathway and your new neural pathway are about even so it's like driving with your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time but if you keep going the key is to keep going because you'll start to feel some momentum and then you'll start to feel some resistance because that old neural pathway is hanging on and your new neural pathway is trying to push through. So keep going. 67 days is the key. So keep repeating your new beliefs until they become automated. This is how we squash those pesky ants. (laughs) And let me be clear though that the goal here is not to feel happy all the time and never again experience a negative emotion because that is not real life. The goal is to understand that you are in control of your thoughts and feelings. You and you alone Have the power to change your thoughts and feelings. You can choose what thoughts to continue to believe and what thoughts to replace. This is freeing in a sense um, that you are in control because no one else has the power to make you feel anything you don't want to feel. And this is also important when sharing with the little brains in our classroom because it will empower them. They realize that no one else can make them feel a certain way. This also means though that we have to be cognizant of the language we are using when we talk to them. Like we want to try to use the language that reinforces the fact that they have a choice to think and feel what they'd like. And so does everybody else rather than inadvertently making them feel like the victim by suggesting that you know so and so made them feel sad when he picked someone else to be his partner. So no one made them feel sad. It was their choice because of what they thought about someone else, their friend picking someone else to be their partner. And we worked through a couple of scenarios in episode two, and I I attached a freebie lesson plan. You can go back and look at that um, for that sort of process. But to recap, while evolutionarily speaking, there is a benefit to our ants. Many of them no longer serve us. We need to notice them when they come marching in, writing them down as an an extra effective practice and squashing them by refuting them, recording counter arguments, finding evidence to dispel them. And then we want to replace them with thoughts and emotions that serve us better and lead us to the actions and results that we desire in life. And just as an end note. After I wrote this episode, I found if you're a teacher in Ontario, you may have received this month's OCT magazine uh, this week, and in it, on page 43, a teacher in Bowmanville recommended a picture book called The Cold Little Voice by Alison Hughes, and according to the synopsis, it's about a boy who hears a voice in his head telling him things like he's not good enough or smart enough, that he's not normal or capable or special in any way and it's also about how to turn that voice off and replace it with something warmer and kinder. So although I haven't read it myself yet, it sounds right in line with our topic today and I just wanted to share it in case you're looking for a lead-in to this stuff with your class of little brains. So this week, try out the eight steps to ant squashing and I'll put them in the um, show notes below and ask yourself, what beliefs are you holding on to? And try not to let a thought pass by sub by your consciousness unnoticed Um, be on the lookout for ants thank you again for joining me this is the teaching little brains podcast and I am your host Sarah Nickeruk have a wonderful week everyone bye for now